1: Hey guys, it's Scott Lips, and welcome back to yet another edition of Lip Service, coming to you live today from my living room. Today is May the 4th, and my guest today is the amazing Rose McGowan, a director, an actor, an activist, an author, and a musician. We're going to talk to her about her new record, Planet Nine. She's appeared in many films like Grindhouse, to TV shows like Charmed, Time Magazine's Person of the Year in 2017, Citizen Rose, her docuseries appeared on E!, She has a very powerful voice. We'll talk through some of it and uh, get into her whole story. And also, more importantly, her record that's just out. So Planet Nine coming up with Rose McGowan. If you guys like the show, please make sure you review it and rate it on iTunes, Spotify. The show is free. It's available everywhere. So it's really important to us that you rate and review the show. I know we're all going through hard times with this pandemic. Hopefully, the show can bring you a little love and light, a little bit of laughter and something to distract you from what we're going through. Luckily, it seems like the restrictions are lifting slowly, day by day. I feel like uh, what I just heard, some of the shops in LA are going to start to open on Friday, flower shops and bookstores and a few retail stores. So slowly, we will get through this if we stay strong together. I'm excited for our guest today. The show you're about to hear was recorded. Actually, Rose was in the Yucatan Peninsula. So every now and then, there's some glitches. A little bit of audio trouble, doing our best to edit it for you. Sometimes during this pandemic, I really had to pivot and figure things out for myself that I'm not a sound engineer, so do the best I can during all this. But hopefully it sounds all right to you. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts. And here, coming up in just a moment, Rose McGowan. This
2: is Lips LA. Our
1: show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's Boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it.
0: Hey, howdy-do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank.
1: Thank you so much for coming on. It's great to meet you. I think we have a lot of mutual friends, so it's nice to finally meet you.
2: Yeah, we've been like circling each other for a long time. I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's great. So, and and for some reason, if the Wi-Fi cuts in and out, we'll just, you know, we'll make it work somehow. So it's so great to meet you. I want to talk a lot about your album and how it came about, and obviously it just came out what about ten days ago, Planet Nine. And it's great. So congrats on the record. I want to talk about your musical journey and talk about your life in quarantine and. You said you're in the Yucatan, so I'd love to know about where are you now? Where are you living? Were you in Mexico before this?
2: No, I was high. By the way, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your your music history is vast and your knowledge is vast. And saying you like my album, I hope it's true because I want to believe it's true because I think it's awesome too and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Yeah, I was not. I was in Norway and I was giving a speech there and um, right then Northern Italy got locked down and in Southern Italy got locked down and I just thought this is coming and my lease was up in New York City and I thought that's just not where I wanna be right now. It's just too, I need nature and trees. So I thought, okay, I, I know where I can go for like a third of my New York apartment and have like an amazing house with a pool, but it's still like a third of what I was paying in New York and it's beautiful, but you know, it's weird times outside the wall, but you get into this weird bubble groove, right?
1: Of course. Do you feel
2: that way? Like yeah, you're in yeah. this kind of bubble?
1: I'm I'm a New Yorker, so I really, you know, I'm longing for the day I can go back to New York. I I really miss it, and I feel so terrible for everything going on in life. I mean, how long have you been in Yucatan?
2: I've been here now for five weeks. Wow,
1: okay. And are you you decompressing? What's your life like there now?
2: I I weirdly, when I was on a TV show a long time ago, and TV fame is a weird kind of fame, uh, because you're in people's bedrooms, and their eyes kind of dilate when they meet you, and it's a bizarre fame. But during that period of my life, I was basically in quarantine. I didn't go out of my house. Um, like if I did people like once in the Vatican ran after me and pulled my hair out of my head, like crazy stuff. I was like, and I was small. So it's just like, no, and I'm used to being alone. And I'm used to just having a lot of time to think. And I think what's cool about this period right now, I'm just very uncool in a lot of ways. And if you're lucky enough to not, you know, I'm okay for the next year financially. So if you're lucky enough to have like a, a year banked or you're not worrying about getting instant formula or, you know, if you're lucky enough to not have that, then, you know, I think this time really be used to kind of do internal research on like what you're about, who you are, because we're never gonna, hopefully not, hopefully this will be the only time we have to do this, but come out of our house again and reintroduce ourselves to the world.
1: Definitely. Are you reading a lot? Are you rereading any books that you used to read? Are you watching a lot of films? What are you doing to pass the time there? Ozark. Yeah, love it. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched the last season, of course.
2: That's great. I, wa- I yeah, watched two seasons in two days, no sleep. Um, I'm watching
1: Hollywood right now. Yeah, so am I. Do you like it?
2: I, I'm only five minutes in, and I have to... Po- Hollywood is such a weird place for me with so many, like... But I, but the themes are pretty much still the same, um, I don't know yet if I care enough or want to watch it, but I also hear it's good. So I'm reading a book called Love in the Time of Cholera, which is a a Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel. And I read it for the first time when I was 14. And it's about this weird couple, they fall in love or, well, the guy falls in love with her, like a skinny weird 14 year old who wears a black, but like in, you know, the time of cholera. So it's a long time ago. So it's all like lace, Spanish lace, all that kind of stuff. And then he goes, um, It goes into this fantastical journey, but it's falling in love, this lifelong love affair with all these people around you dying. And I didn't even really think about the parallels until I started reading it again. I was like, oh my God. I have to pick that
1: book up because I read somewhere that you're reading that and actually really piqued my interest. Do you ever feel like we're in a a bad episode of Black Mirror right now with everything happening? I don't know if you like that show, but.
2: Darling, that's my life, period. (laughs) My life is a many episode arc of Black Mirror. It's, It's many seasons, many arcs. And I'm like, it is all, my life has always been like, I'm like, verticality what the hell is going on and just suck it up and keep it I'm sure you've had a lot of weird experiences too where you're like this is nobody would believe this but this is true but a lot of the stuff that's really unbelievable about my life I wrote a book called brave and also like stuff with spies and craziness all the stuff in my life you know um yeah it's black mirror but this is just like the cherry black mirror this is global black mirror and it's a really weird um it's like I try to take, if not on purpose, but have you noticed like each moment at some moment during the day, you start thinking, you kind of tap into the frequency of suffering. Mm -hmm. We start thinking of all the people that are terrified or dying alone or sick and money to get help or, and then, or hungry. And then I, so then I'll start crying for like 10 minutes and I wipe my tears. I'm like, okay, pull up your bootstraps, do the best you can. And so, you know, during this time, actually, like the rise in domestic violence and a lot of, um, Uh, Gay relationships. There's there's violence just like there's in hetero relationships And maybe this is women hurting men, but I don't know But the rise in the UK has gone up to the hotlines by men for domestic violence by 17 Percent by women like 76 percent So all these people trapped right now and the kids too with the person who responds badly to feeling powerless Mm. And we're all so powerless right now. So these people are triggered and so I'm donating um, I kind of you know, I don't know that you make money off music. Period. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, and I, I say 20% of COVID relief funds, but I think I'm just gonna do 100%. Not that I'm rich. Not that I couldn't use the money. You know, I just had a compulsion. I had to make it to help people in the way I knew how, or help myself. And then when it worked, um, to do this kind of weird thing on my mind and, and body and my spirit. And it was—it was literally 12 days ago that I was sitting in my house, like, what can I do to help people beyond just sending, like, like. A, I sent a thousand dollars to this charity that I work with for domestic violence. That thousand dollars is housing four abused women for the next month in an apartment.
1: Mm-hmm. So like,
2: you know, if people go to band camp, they can buy it. And I'm going to send all the money to that. Cause we can house a lot more people Definitely. pretty cheaply.
1: Yeah. And I want to talk about your musical path and, and what music you were into as a kid. And, and really, cause it, for me, there's a lot of, uh, obviously there's a lot of, you wrote the record with some French musicians, I believe, right. That were into air yeah. or stuff like that. So I want to talk about how the music came about, but also take me kind of back to the beginning I knew you. I know you grew up in Italy, and I know you were spending some time in Italy. And I want to talk a little bit about your photography and other some of your creative endeavors too. Oh, so cool. let's kind of talk about the beginning when you you kind of grew. up. You, you actually were, I think, uh, you grew up in Italy to the age of what, ten or fifteen or 10, 10 okay. yeah. So do you go back there much? Are you are you do you visit Italy? Much?
2: I do. I don't have any family there. I'm not Italian, um, but I have friends there, and I love. There's a town called Certaldo, and it's a little town about an hour outside of Florence, and that's where I was born. And there's a, a, one of the best or amazing authors of all time, his name is Boccaccio, and he wrote The Decameron. Okay, so he changed literature, so my mom was always really interested in literature. My dad loved photography, and I found this little camera, but it got taken away from me, but I, forever after, I started seeing everything through like the rectangular lens of, it was like, everything was happening to me, like the other part of me would split and go across the room and film it for posterity. Like, oh, this is a good story. And I'd always remember everything really vis- visibly that way. My father was an incredible illustrator. He did airbrush and like pioneered techniques. And so he just loved color. And then I just, music, you know, I was performing on the streets, uh, like starting at age three, singing Jesus songs on a guitar while they were handing out like religious flyers. It was like a utopian, but Jesus, so kind of weird.
1: It was called the Children of God community, right? Yeah. It was almost, I guess, yeah. a, a cult, yeah. right? So, was music around you at well, a young
2: added, age? It was opera, classical, but mostly just hippie songs on the guitar. And I have to be honest, God, I hated hippies. Like, I really hated them. I it, like, it was like if people, hippies were playing hacky sack, I'd be like, oh. I would just get, it was like, and it didn't realize it took me a long time to realize they were just total triggers. And right. I finally met someone in Hippie Greg, and now I'm fine with hippies. <laughs>
1: Were you around rock and roll at all growing up, or was it just sort of this hippie music that you were exposed to? And, and
2: it was hippie until I was 10, and then America, like, it was, I never heard, I went, the first time I heard music in speakers, I was in a grocery store, and my brother and I jumped down on the floor and hid. We hid because we never heard music in speakers, and it was so loud. So there was a massive cult thought coming to America. We also hadn't been really out so much in Italy. We were more behind walls. Uh, beautiful walls in Tuscany. There was a Duke that was in a group, so I grew up in his palazzo, which is his estate. So,
1: and were your brothers and sisters also very artistic, or was it just something that you picked up initially?
2: No, they were all of us, like, uh, were really artistic. It was tough, you know, it was tough for a lot of time, along a lot of the time, and we didn't have the luxury of like just sitting down and getting to be creative. Also, like, I had six brothers and sisters at one point within a house and my mom was going to school after she had them. So I was taking care of them. It wasn't really time. I wanted to like daydream on the ground. And instead my brothers and sisters called me the Nazi because I was always after them. And I was like, they're like, mom, the Nazi's making me make my bed. But music became like what I listened, listened to at 10 was Patsy Cline. And um, I don't know how I found it. And it just, it, I, it soothed me and I went to sleep to her voice and I would teach myself You know, it's not on Planet Nine, I don't sing with full voice. I learned how to project from her, how to pull in, how to attach emotion, and And it taught me a lot. And then it went into like, you know, Madonna, of course. And, um, but also like, then by 13, it was the legendary Pink Dots, 4AD bands. It was Bauhaus, uh, Cocteau Twins, Liz Frazier, like all this like amazing music that was kind of like about eight years before that period where I found it. But, and I also became really obsessed with the Doors.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Love them. I almost won my Jim Morrison shirt, but I opted for the Blondie one today. Um, let's take it back for one sec. So, so, so you said you were into the Doors growing up, obviously, and, and Bauhaus, I think I heard.
2: Yes. Um, there was a, I got my hands on, because there was this great, in Seattle where I was, and there was a great, great, great record store. And I found Sinead O'Connor's The Lion and the Cobra, you know, which is like just a majestic album. Um, and then Prince was a huge part of my life, you know, like when I was 11, 12, like he was the first poster I had on my wall. I'd kiss him goodnight. I loved him very much. Mm -hmm. And he was just magical. Everything, you know, that music is so important at that age. And when I listen to kids music, some of the music they listen to, some music's amazing. Some just like ours is crap. And I'm always like, kids, beware of what you're listening to, because this will be your oldies. Watch out. Mm -hmm.
1: Choose well And so you ended up moving to the States and you ended up living in Oregon and Seattle and was like, was music part of your mission at that point? Because I know even at a young age, at like 11, you were reading, you know, books, you know, Malcolm X books and things like that. So did you feel like at that point, like music would have a, a big part of your life sort of mission and goal?
2: Not at all. I asked my father if I could sing and he said no. But that's okay. Then five minutes later, my sister asked him if she was pretty. And he said, no. But now I looking back, he was painting. And we were just annoying kids bothering him. I don't even think he heard the question. But you know, when an adult says something to you that you're when you're being vulnerable and asking the question as a kid, and then they say something that sticks, you know, like, so I didn't open my mouth for years. And it wasn't actually until years later, when I was with Marilyn Manson, um, that he heard me singing around the house. And he kept encouraging me to sing and I was so scared of the microphone I would stand like three feet away from it. And eventually, you know, I kind of like got closer to it obviously. Uh, And then I tried at one point like in 2010 or 2009 to do music with this German producer. First of all, just too German for me, he cut out. It was just uh, no emotion, it was like too hard. And then also Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton came out with an album right around that time. And I was like, Mm. oh, I'm fucked. Because we, please, any work that I would do you know, and I was on a TV show at that point. So any work you going to do, you're going to be tarred with that brush, and no one's going to take you seriously. And the thing is, about my work, I take it really seriously. Yeah. I really care.
1: Because about five years ago, you put out RM486. Was that – because that's sort of very similar that's, in the same a, kind it's
2: of a, feel. It's a beta version of gold. So that was, like, just a beta version. It was just – it was never even mixed or mastered, and it got put, you know – it was only supposed to be in a video, but it got put on Spotify and I can't get it off now. So there it is. But it's still RM486 made a splash and I loved it. I remember Rolling Stone asking me, what does that title mean? I'm like, funny, you should ask. It's a play on my initials and the famous birth control drug, are you 486? Let's discuss women's rights. And they're like, ah, no. <laughs>
1: well, the new record's called Platinum 9. And I want to talk about sort of the genesis of the title of the record. My favorite track on the record Uh, is definitely now we're here, now you're here. So talk about how the the title of the record came about. I know it stems back to Pluto and sort of you having this, uh, what, like an imaginary world when you were a kid that you kind of came up with, Planet Nine?
2: Yeah, my imaginary friend was a world and uh, a planet and uh, it was a reaction I got sent to a school in a military base when I, that's where I went from hippie Italy to to backwoods Washington. And um, that was a tough transition. And so I created my own planet, and I thought, because they kept trying to tell me about America and how great it was, and I was like, but you're not being great, you're not nice, you're being awful, and you're not a good representation of this place. It's beautiful, but the people I found that I was around, being at those, you know, kind of military and rednecks around there, it was tough, especially if you're different and don't speak English. And um, so I created my own planet and I used to literally space that all day long at school. Like the planet, the globe would come out of the ceiling and circle around me and I'd be protected and safe. And I used to wonder what lights were on there, what sound frequencies, how fast sound and light went, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you forget about your your imaginary friends, you forget. But then like five years ago, six years ago, astronomers found planet nine uh, because that's when they announced Pluto is no longer a planet. And they're like, because we found a planet that's in front of it or whatever, it's called planet nine. And I almost fell over i was like they found my planet and then uh because it's know, like a, next... it's a new
1: planet that hadn't been discovered really. yeah.
2: Like, yeah 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 and it, it was like it was just wild and you know weird but then i had a strange thought i was like i need to make music for my planet <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> obviously
1: <laughs> and so let's talk about the track now you're here it's my favorite track on the record tell me about the writing process rose how did it come about i know you work with a lot of people on the record you teamed up with uh uh, let's see, a, a French musician, um, DJ Falcon, who did Daft Punk's record, right? Right. And yeah, some, he did my favorite guys.
2: Daft Punk song, Contact.
1: And David Zita from TV on the radio. So let's talk about how, like the process of writing this record for you.
2: Yeah, the process, it was really organic. And I, I, you know, I made a record and I'm just, you know, even if nobody ever liked it, I can say I made an album. I produced, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have contacts in the music industry. I was actually shooting these two French dudes for the cover of their album and I heard the music behind me and I was like, what is that? i never, and it was this underground duo called Punishment and they're in Paris. So they're the ones I started with and then it just organically flowed from there. So now you're here, you know, it's just because the, it's actually a concept album. So it's the, the first one is called Kainas Benetitiai, which is very hard to pronounce. But the first track and that's like kind of earthy and it's almost like a it's like kind of a, a massive attack vibe with the boom 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 and then it's like what's so good why do you stay it's just spoken word a little bit and then it and then the end is so shine like you're meant to and that's the first song to kind of like get you off this planet like okay let's go and it kind of shocks you a little bit not shocks it's not hard but into listening in a way and then signing the next song is it's like almost a shock remove. Like this one, the kind of first one is your head, then it goes to your throat, then it's your heart and it moves its way down, right? Sirene is for your voice and it's for all people who've been hurt. And then now you're here is like, now you've made it through the hard part and now you're in the beauty of Planet Nine. So now you're here and the lyrics are, bliss we ride across all planets. My home is Mars, yours is Saturn, on golden sun and winged horse madness astral planes, our stars of magic. Now you're here.
1: Yeah. I love what you wrote about the record too. Here's my prescription for maximum effect. Turn off the lights, not even candles, find a comfortable place to lay and shut your eyes. And, and it just goes into sort of the meditative sort of qualities of the record too, which is great. Uh, and I think it's a perfect record for what's going on right now. Obviously people need, they need to get away. You know, everyone's dealing with mental health issues right now. It's, it's really hard. A lot of totally. people are struggling. And I think, the record fits in really nicely with what's going on right now, because people definitely need to escape. Let's talk a little bit. About, I know that you directed a film, Dawn, uh, about six years ago, right? And it actually got nominated yeah. for the Sundance Grand Jury Prize. So talk to me about sort of that experience, too, because I know that I feel like your life also behind the camera is something that really inspires you, as well as making music now and a lot of your other endeavors. So is that something I think we'll be seeing more of?
2: I hope so, I kind of, honestly, I knew I was gonna take down a bad man publicly, and I knew that I'd probably never get to direct a movie again. So when I made Dawn, I funded it myself, and it's set in 1961. I did the set design, all the furniture, and it's a beautiful, gorgeous piece, and it's about, you know, the the gist of it, you know, is about, like, what happens when we send girls out into the world of politeness as their only defense, and I wanted to study that but also it's also kind of an autobiographical tale of what happened to me in Hollywood metaphorically, but it's really beautiful with these two, like a 16 year old and an 18 year old. And, and um, it was a joy. And I felt like when I was directing it, I was like, Oh my God, I'm wearing pants that fit me for the first time. Cause always acting like it, it doesn't take your mind. It takes yeah. your emotion. It takes stamina. It takes resilience. It takes your ability to want to do weird things, but it does not take, you know, and, takes discipline but it didn't use my mind in an intellectual way and and honestly for years i thought my brain was turning to mush and luckily so then my friends wrote this amazing script and uh and there we and i went and ridley scott's company produced it which was great he's a great director um i went to sundance with it but i was still very much and blacklisted by hollywood so everyone that was in my it opened sundance it opened the festival it played four times there which was an amazing experience and then it went to sundance london and sundance hong kong as well nominated there but it was weird the eight directors that were in my that we were all competing against each other they're all on their second films or third films by now and i'm like and i not i didn't have one single call not from and it got mad press like it played at the lincoln center sundance put it in theaters it got it got like tour around it got uh new york times review but it was just so obvious what was going on and i I knew that was going to happen but i didn't care i was like i'm making this art anyway and luckily you know a couple people and didn't fall for the blacklisting or hadn't really heard about it or something maybe it was more in quarantine to hollywood um but that really it's really
1: stunning too it kind of reminds me of david lynch in a way
2: yeah, that's what people say. You know, I've only watched a quarter of the David Lynch film because I got so scared. I, I like, was so freaked out. that when, um, uh, what's his face in Blue Velvet is huffing Frank. Yeah. And Dennis Hopper, and he's like huffing, and he's making scary sounds, and I was like, I was, I was like, ah, and uh, I need. But also, it was interesting because um, I like David Lynch's mind, but this has a really solid story. But the visuals are just, I wanted to make each frame so you could pause it and it could tell the story on its own, but also be a masterpiece. Because I do believe that everything you put on screen gets into people's minds. So give them beauty and everything counts. Like a lot of directors are like, oh, I hired a great you know, set person or I hired this person so that I'm gonna focus on the actors and the action. But I'm like, then what about the rest of your movie it doesn't have your fingerprint on it? Not that you have to do everything, but you should work, know about every department. And when I was an actor, I worked with every department on days I wasn't working as an actress. I, that's how I learned. And I estimated I worked on sets for 57,000 hours. Well, you can tell that so you're really into time.
1: design too, right? Because even the design, the aesthetic yeah. is great. And, and it has a great uh, a feel about the whole movie too. So. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your book too, Brave. Because obviously it came out about, what, three years ago now?
2: Uh, two.
1: Two years, okay. Okay. 2018. And it's autobiographical. It's motivational. It was a New York Times bestseller. So do you think, in terms of creative endeavors, are there going to be more books from you, more music? I'd love to know like, what, what you see with everything going on in culture right now, how this is going to shape your creative endeavors.
2: Well, I want to do a country album with Jack White.
1: That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So
2: that's my thought for the next album. Totally different. But yeah, yeah. Cre- I, I know it'll be creativity in some way. You know, it'll be Something because I didn't know how to write a book. I'd never written anything but like one joke article for a magazine. So, but my father, I watched him paint and I, and my mother's a great writer. So I kind of thought, uh, and I did not deal well with school or have any discipline, but I thought if I can just paint with words, like, 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 Imagine a movie in your mind within a sentence like that's what I try to do make it cinematic so people can see what visualize what I'm talking about and I did that just and I Approached the album writing the same way. I'm like if I can Like cue visuals in people's minds with their own visuals So everyone sees their own movie and is on their own planet nine, right? That's why I only put eight songs on the album because the night song is for themselves to make Mm. The listener.
1: Yeah, it's great. And were you a fan of bands like air?
2: I was. I really liked Air a lot. And what happened with Green Gold, the, the version of RM486 that's out now, it was actually, there's two versions of it. There's the faster version, and then a pianist for Air heard it and just was moved and laid down this incredible piano underneath it. And I thought, I love both of these. I don't want to split them up. So I, I, I did it into one sound trip. Like it starts with Haunting piano, the beautiful piano, and the dialogue from Blade Runner. I've seen things you people can't imagine.
1: My Attack ships on of fire off the
2: shoulder of Orion. That was my dad's favorite movie and his yeah. favorite score. So, yeah, so that was my homage to my dad, also.
1: And so, did uh, just to, about the process of writing, did, did DJ Falcon send you the music? Did you create the music yourself? Like, how collaborative was the effort together?
2: Yeah, he sent me the music, and then it was funny because. I don't know why, I was really busy or something, and I was going to Biarritz uh, in the south of France where he is to record three of the tracks. And I got there, and I'm really tired, of course, jet lagged from LA, and I get a uh, message, okay, we have to go to the studio in two hours, and I realized I'd, I'd slept the whole way on the flight, and that was the time I was to use to write, and I had no lyrics written, and I had to be in the studio in two hours for three songs. I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. So it just it, it honed it in. I wrote Lonely House, which is seven and a half minutes of spoken word over this kind of rising operatic beat and um, space beat and then sirene and We Are Free. I did all that like in an hour and a half. And I think that that you know being under the gun really helped. I honestly, do you ever create things or do things and you're like, how the hell did I do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people create things in their dreams, right? And sort of they wake up the next day and they, I don't ever write my dreams down, but there's so many artists. I, I hear these stories that they write music when they're sleeping and they wake up and they have this masterpiece. I'm like, that never happens to me. Um, no, that wish, hasn't happened to me did. either. <laughs> but so, so the lyrics to Cyrene, like how did that come about to for you?
2: Cause it was just a driving beat. And um, you know, and also one of the, the main genesis of this, the album besides the planet nine part of it was that I raced my Porsche on a track outside of LA, Irwindale, And, um, I like doing it. I tried to get permission sometimes to do it at night because that's just ultimate freedom. And I was wondering, I was like, what music, cause I feel like I'm about a foot off the ground and flying through the sky. Like if the highways were made of stars, that's what I feel like right now. What kind of music do I want to listen to? So it's all made also for driving at night typically, and hopefully well and fast and free, not in traffic. And um, so Cyrene was like, um, I don't want to be a downer, but it's really, it's my love letter to people that have been hurt in this world. And it's, I know your truth. And the, the people that get lied about when they come forward and say what their truth is and they get slut shamed and call the whore. And so those lyrics are, I know your truth, I know your rage, I know your lies, I know your pain, I know your truth, I know they lie but then it's take my hand, you know, so it's like, it's like, come, it's a, it, we can take maybe 2.0 versions of ourselves.
0: Mm,
1: definitely. It's great. And do you anticipate more videos? Cause I know you did one video so far. Are there, there going to be more videos that you direct? I with the
2: actually have visuals for the, yeah, I shot visuals for the entire thing and I did it all myself. One, the lonely house, the seven and a half minute spoken word. That is I strapped a camera to the hood of my car and drove through the Blade Runner tunnel in downtown LA on 2nd at like 120 miles an hour so I could slow-mo it. And I washed it in this kind of purple light. And so it's this epic slow-mo journey out of this tunnel during that, during that spoken word track. But the jungle where I am has crap Wi Fi, So since I just decided to release it, I can't upload, a lot of noise behind me, I'm sorry. I can't upload the, the visuals, but I'll get there. But it's meant to, also this is meant to be, I wanna do like an immersive experiential tour like not performing this. I don't want to do that. But, um, but like, Visual, I want this to be, I want the visuals, to be. When the music's played, the visuals
1: like an immersive like, kind of experience like that.
2: Yeah, but with the visuals I've shot and I didn't do them digitally. A lot of them, people think are digital, but I don't know how to do that. So I had to do it like what we call in the movies doing it. Practically with like hands-on what's I use karaoke lighting for God's sakes in some of the parts, but it looks like it's this epic Thing and I have this one coat that I got in Afghanistan That's made of glass and if you put a special light on it's kind of like the Nike ones you disappear But this is military grade. So I have this whole video where I'm it looks like I'm floating in space But just you don't see my face or my hands. It's just this puffer and the hand moving at slow-mo, but I shot that during the day. I just had the special light on me. And, and my hand and face come into the screen at one point. You can see me, and then I disappear into the darkness. And I have so many, like, amazing CGI friends, and they're like, how did you do that? Tell me the program. I'm like, I would never know how to do that. Like, I just know movie
1: tricks. Would you say that being in quarantine now, too, Rose, is sort of that – is that affecting some – are you doing some writing now, are you writing any – Scripts? Are you writing any music that would sort of be shaped by what's going on now in culture?
2: More photography and video of it. Um, I wish I could share. I shot um, something great last night. Um, The there's some interesting lighting here that cycles between colors slowly um, in one part uh, of the house, and um, it's with water, and it just it makes for incredible visuals. So I've been doing more photography and video yeah I was gonna say where Um, could we
1: see your photography if you wanted to
2: I know well soon when I have the visuals up for this you'll see them um, someday when I can get the planet nine visuals up but there are I shot myself for the cover of the fall magazine it's a UK magazine so I guess you could google that the fall Rose McGowan but that's I I like building worlds with projections because people spend all this money building sets and I'm like just shoot something like I went to the oil fields in Texas I filmed them And then I projected them back on myself and photographed it. So I look like I'm standing and, you know, it's my face among these oil things. And um, it's beautiful and it's haunting, but everyone thinks it's CGI. And I'm like, it's kind of a lot cheaper to do it my way and also looks cooler, I think, in a lot of ways. I would love to do, I want my stuff ultimately, what I wanna do is bring art out of galleries and museums. Like I somehow, and I wanna bring it to poor communities and rural communities and like even Planet Nine and travel it for like $5 admission and people lay on their backs and the visuals are all around them and the 360 degree sound. And I just wanna make it like music for the people cause it's for healing and the masses. And if everyone is walking around with this much trauma, then we're a sick society that needs to be healed and I'm trying to help the way I can. But I also find like, you know, art in general, the museums, they're beautiful, but they're very elitist and they intimidate a lot of people. A lot of people just aren't raised with them and they're scared of it and they see it as like a school field trip and that's their contact. Whereas, and there's no teaching art in in American schools, like in public schools, there's nothing for it. And it's during Obama, like that, it was 38 million for all of arts funding for all schools in America. So there's nothing. And and that's what saves people. Like music saves people, literature saves people. Seeing a painting that somehow reminds you of you saves you.
1: Definitely. Not question pretty awesome. I think everyone's looking for a bit of beauty all around us now with everything going on in this darkness. But
2: Yeah. For right now I think Planet Nine and why I really wanted to release it. I was like we cannot travel outside, but we can really travel inside. And, and Planet Nine is an album for the inside. It's, there's some bops on it. Paper magazine was like, there's some bops on this, which is true. You can, but be- bopping, healing, dancing is also healing. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be serious. So you of can course. use this in many ways. The first time I recommend shut it, closing your eyes, putting on headphones and laying on the floor and letting go. After that, do the, do the laundry, run, do whatever you want. Use it however the hell you want to use it but to honor my work and, and like if I was had a painting, and this would be the frame I would wanna put on it to show it. So I would love it if people did experience it, if they could the first time that way. Um, and then after that, do whatever the hell you want, remix it. And I, I'm building a site where it's gonna be a hub because I want, I have visuals for Planet Nine from my Planet Nine, but I wanna see what other people are inspired to make by it. So I'm gonna make a hub for artists that they can just upload, you know, obviously nothing gross, Um, but people that are inspired to make what their band nine looks like and upload it and have this on a site. I think that's pretty cool in a way also to bring more art to the people.
1: Do you ever anticipate a time when you would perform this record live or you think it's just gonna strictly live in the way that it is now? Well, you know, the
2: only one I wanna perform live and I wanna do it, NASA has an orchestra and when the orchestra plays, it beams it up to everybody up in the space platform and floating around. And I thought, I would love to do Lonely House, the spoken word of the space opera beat um, for, because I started with, are you lonely on your planet? Are you lonely on the fringe? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful piece, and it's my most personal one. And I, that's the one I'd perform. But the singing, I just honestly, I think singing live, uh, my voice is better with like light alt country and or blues or 1930s music my voice is just better suited to it on um, electronic i don't it, it'll never sound as good on the album as it does on the album with electronic so, so we'll i'm save that like, for, the, no. for the
1: jack white country record maybe
2: hi jack white are you out there hit me up what no. <laughs> jack if you're listening
1: <laughs> so, jack if you're
2: listening <laughs>
1: um the album he once
2: i met him once i did oh, yeah. meet him and and he took he 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 told me a really cute story about how he used to have a picture of me on a tour bus when I had red hair once. And I guess that he liked redheads because his wife at the time was a redhead, Karen Nelson. Yeah. So he invites me to, um, I run into him at the Gramercy Park Hotel lobby and he's just about to go play a show with the Rolling Stones um, that Martin Scorsese is filming at the Beacon Theater in sure, New York. I
0: remember that, yeah. So
2: he's... I just go along with him and I get sat next to his wife and her friends. And they look at me like, bitch, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I know, why?" kind of weird, but I, I, I just want to hear the music. And they were all really nice to me. It was fine. But that was a cool experience. But yes, Jack White, hello.
1: Well, when the Jack White record comes out, we'll have you back on the show and we'll have you perform okay, live, honey. hopefully. Um, make sure you guys download the record. It's available on, on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, everything. Planet Nine is the record. Rose, it's a pleasure. I'm hoping to have you back on the show soon, especially when we have great Wi-Fi, because I'm looking forward to that so we can get everything in check here. Um, you're great. Um, I, you're a big inspiration to a lot of people. And I, I know your book and a lot of things have changed a lot of lives for people. So I appreciate you coming on, even from the Yucatan. Um, and yeah, just, just check out the record, guys. It's incredible. And it's been a pleasure to have you here.
2: I appreciate you.
1: I appreciate you. And it's great to see you. There you are again. <laughs> All it's right, well, so nice we'll...
2: to get to actually talk.
1: Okay. It's great to, great to see you. Thanks, Rose. I'll see you soon. Bye, Scott. Bye.
2: This is Lips LA.